Trash Cinema. Hey everybody, it is Trash Cinema, and uh, this episode we'll be discussing two movies that link into the 30th anniversary of Tales from the Crypt. I'm Michael, that's Kersey. How's it going? Hey, what's going on, guys? They're not going to answer us. Damn it, they never do. What the fuck? They're so rude. <laughs> we, do, we do this every episode. We're like, why do I keep doing this? They're not going to say, oh, um, we're good. Can you, do you know that I'm saying this? And we're like, oh, yeah. we got telekinetic powers, buddy. Not telekinetic, um, telepathic. I don't know where I'm going. I'm sorry, this. what? I don't know. I'm just yammering. Shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, technically, on paper, <clears throat> there's four Tales from the Crypt movies. Um, I can't stand 70s horror for the most part, so I'm skipping that one. Um, and I'm not going to discuss Ritual, because that is not technically a Tales from the Crypt movie. You asked me about this one. Yeah, so Ritual, um, I, like, immediately, as soon as that movie started, uh, I, I knew that this was really weird and didn't feel right. There was something odd. It was not Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, it, as far as I can tell, it was one of these movies that was already done. And Dimension Pictures had bought the license from Tales from the Crypt, and that they went back and slapped the name on there, and God, I haven't seen it forever, but are, are there tale, uh, Crypt Keeper sequences in that one? Oh, yeah. The opening is the Crypt Keeper doing a terrible Jamaican God, accent. God, that's right. Son of a bitch. And it's just, it's just shots of women in bikinis for about three minutes straight. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm almost certain that there was just a, a license where they would just, uh, you know like the way National Lampoon does that now, where they just like, oh, you pay us $100,000, you can put National Lampoon above your title and help sell it. I think that's the way it was with Tales of the Crypt. It, it definitely felt like that, yeah. So we're just going to talk about the two core movies that came immediately after the cancellation of the show. Well, not cancellation. Let me say that they realized it was time to move on to the movies. And uh, it would fail within a couple of years, and it was back on HBO in 1998 for a couple more seasons. Uh, did you watch the original series? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Did you watch the original series? Yeah, I actually own the first few seasons. Oh, nice. Um, I love that show. My favorite one is probably, oh man, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where the two gamblers uh, bet each other's fingers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, my favorite one is this. Is actually the second episode with the psychotic Santa Claus trying to get into the house. Oh yeah, I, I watch that one almost every uh, year for Christmas. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. All right, so in 1994 they decided to wrap up the series. They started developing movies, and here's something interesting. If you didn't already know this, two movies that went on to be uh, big cult hits were originally developed to be Tales from the Crypt movies. The Frighteners and From Dust Till Dawn were originally developed as episodes of uh, Tales from the Crypt. Hmm. Just too expensive. It's weird. Yeah, I guess that, that kind of makes the dimension connection because uh, From Dust Till Dawn was a dimension film. Right. I think the rule yeah. was that they were trying to keep... I think the episodes were a million dollars an episode and they gave the creators free reign to do whatever they wanted to. But with the movie, they decided to up the budget, but they didn't want to go too big. And I believe it was $6 million was the cap for each movie. Considering that, I, I actually think they gave a lot of entertainment value for that type of a budget. I would say uh, the Pale Knight, or the Demon Knight, definitely. Or Devil of Blood, eh. Oh, no. We'll talk more about that yeah. later. I'm not saying, are they good movies? I'm saying, wow, that's a lot of special effects for that much money. <laughs> <clears throat> 
I, no, but like even even considering that, I, I'm not entirely sure if Rodello Blood is worth the six million. <laughs> All right, so Demon Knight was the first one to come out. Originally planned for Halloween of '94, came out in January '95, and. Um, that kind of came a dumping ground for horror movies for years. In fact, I think they still do it, but now the weird thing is horror movies do very, very well in January. And um, I honestly can't remember another horror movie coming out in January until Demon Knight. Um, and, oh, in January. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, like a studio yeah, I release. Think... I can see like the indie guys were doing it, but a studio saying, hey, let's put some money behind this. And throw it out over um, Martin Luther King holiday. And I guess because it's cold, hey, well, let's stay inside and watch horror movies and, you know, cuddle together, I guess. Either out of fear or, oh, my boyfriend, I'll hold on to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think that uh, Demon Knight is not one of those because this movie is awesome. It's yeah. not so much a horror film as it is just badass comedy. Yeah, that's it. Does seem more dark comedy. When people ask me what kind of horror movies I like, I usually like the phantasmagorical, the ones with uh, crazy mm-hmm. monsters. I don't particularly like slasher movies. I don't like, I don't know, like uh, I, and the funny thing is I usually hate movies that have to do with like Satan and demons and stuff like that. But this movie's pretty rad. Yeah, uh, Billy Zane is in this. He basically plays like the uh, the devil's servant. And I think this is by far his greatest role he's ever done. It's it Dead Calm is pretty great too. Have you ever seen that one? Which one? Dead Calm with him and Nicole Kidman and Sam Neill. Uh, no, I didn't see that one. I'm pretty sure it's from the director of Road Warrior. You know the whole Mad Max series, uh, George Miller, Sounds. and uh, the plot is basically Sam Neill and Nicole Kidman are on a cruise um, on a sailboat um, out in the middle of nowhere, and they run across a derelict ship that there was an accident, the only survivor is Billy Zane, turns out he's a killer, and he just does this. He hops from boat to boat, killing all of them, because it's hard to track that kind of shit on a boat in the middle of nowhere. And it's just a big-ass showdown. Um, it's it's truly phenomenal, and that's the movie where he basically became a name, where people were talking about him. That's kind of a weird concept, because like if you're out in the middle of the ocean, what are the odds that someone's going to find you? But that, and that's neither here nor there. I guess that's not the point. But Yeah, um... But but Demon Knight's kind of like that pinnacle for his career because he did this, uh, the Phantom, and then Titanic, and then nothing except direct-to-video shit. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of unfortunate too because I mean this guy is he has a range uh, of uh, of style and he is he nails every single one. Oh yeah, unbelievably charming. Oh yeah, I mean he's playing a devil servant and he's by far the best character. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the cool part is is that they fully loaded this with, like, hey, I know that face. Those kind of guys. And they're all, for the most part, pretty good. Yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith, Smith is in it. Um, she's great. But Billy Zane just takes it, man. He, he elevates this movie from what probably would have been, like, a C- minus to uh, definitely an A. Yeah. Well, and I love the special effects, too. Um, there's a lot of goop. Yeah. A lot of gore. Punching hands through people's heads and carrying around the skull. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, getting getting their hands stuck inside someone's head is awesome. Yeah, I like the mythos uh, of the key. Also, oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. the mythos of the key I think is something really cool they carried into the second movie, and I think that was something they were planning on doing with all of the movies. Somehow that key was going to find its way, at least you know for a moment or two in every film. Mm-hmm. It was kind of it, it was kind of the uh, the Infinity Stones of its day. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, but well, so one of the things that I thought was interesting, A, is that the creatures kind of look like the Crypt Keeper himself. Um, I thought they were going to kind of do something with that, but that kind of didn't go anywhere. And then the other thing about it that was interesting was the opening intro where the Crypt Keeper is directing the movie. Oh. Um, that was disgusting and awesome. Uh, how they did the, the like the dude melting in the bathtub and like getting out and just like smearing like blood and gore all over the walls. Yeah, it's it's jarring yeah. seeing t- uh, the crypt keeper's head digitally altered and pasted on top of another person, and I was like, oh, that doesn't look right at all. Oh, but that's you know 1995 yeah. special effects for you. That was probably the most horrifying part of the movie. Was that. <laughs> it was just so weird and unnatural. What is the Crypt Keeper? Is he just a living dead, like a zombie? A ghoul? What is he? I don't know. I haven't I haven't really read the old comics. I'm not exactly sure what his... Uh, if he's like some kind of resurrected spirit or just a zombie. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. It's funny, the names behind this movie um, and the series itself, Joel Silver, who was like the quintessential action producer of the 80s and 90s, um... Robert Zemeckis, Richard Donner, Walter Hill, all big action guys. Not known for horror at all. Mm-hmm. And just getting together and like saying, we used to love this comic series. You know, and putting together a series probably for nothing and getting their friends to come in and just have fun. And that's the kind of thing I enjoy about this. This and the TV series is, it seems like they're just there to have fun. Oh, yeah. Pretty much every episode, it doesn't, I mean... It, it takes itself seriously enough, but it's also just like I just have like a huge smile on my face every time I'm watching it. There's there's like there's nothing that there's really no episode that's not enjoyable in its own way. Yeah, and they all have kind of a macabre ending. It's bad people doing bad things and getting what they deserve for the most part. Mm-hmm. Oh no, you know what? I take that bad. There is one episode that I remember that is just miserable through the whole thing. Is do you remember that episode? Uh, where the guy who is like a failed writer goes to a cabin with his wife and he thinks that she's cheating on him and he ends up killing her? No, I don't remember that one. It's been a long time. I I, I just now watched the first season again. Um, Oh, okay. And I had a... uh, Did my own version of what episodes I thought were the best of like the first three seasons and I kind of had that as a collection. And um, Mm -hmm. I, I missed a lot. I can't remember a lot of the episodes. Yeah, I think that one was season two or three, but um, anyway, that one's just a, a, a misery fest. Yeah, I for the longest time, I would record them off Fox. They would do edited versions, um, I want to say in the 9.30 slot on Sundays, and I used to tape those, and then you see the real version, like, oh, this was really cut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah the, the, there's a lot of, not a ton of gore. But they they definitely do some gore on the TV show, and the movie definitely amped it up to ten. Yeah, and the and the cool part is, I I noticed this one's different because it's much more action oriented. I think a lot of that has to do with the director, uh, Ernest mm-hmm. Dickerson, had come off of doing Juice and um, Surviving the Game. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Mm-mm. Surviving the Game is basically like, hey, we took a homeless person out to the woods to teach him how to, you know be a stronger man, guess what? We're going to hunt him for sport. You know, that kind of concept. Yeah, that, that whole thing. We've yeah, that's that. Thing. But, uh, so yeah, this one moves a little bit faster. The action sequences are well designed. I am totally um, game for this one. I've seen this one a few times. I'm, I'm thinking of getting the Shout Factory version of it because they always load those mm-hmm. as special features. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, we should probably get into the plot at this at this point. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. So we're going along. This is a lot. Uh, we've talked about a movie in a while. Um, do you want to do the narration? It's a, it's a fantastic movie. We could talk about it all. Yeah. The basically. Anyway, so yeah, go ahead. You, you're you're better at narration than I am. Oh, okay. So basically, the plot of the movie is that we see this man, uh, and he's driving away from Billy Zane's character, who at this point is assuming the role of a cowboy, I suppose. Uh, they get into a wreck. And um, the man, uh, our main character, the man runs into this basically like a bed and breakfast, essentially what it is. And he hides out there and the police come along with Billy Zane's character. And uh, eventually uh, they find out that um, the main character had like the main character has killed somebody. And so their cops are trying to take him away. But uh, he does something. I think he uses that vial of blood, the key that they're yeah. talking about. Um, and hits Billy Zane with it and causes him to like freak out and uh, it's apparent he's apparently you know a demon of some kind and so then he starts resurrecting the dead or at least like demonic creatures to try to kill everybody in the house or at least kill him to take the key yeah. and the key turns out to be basically uh, Jesus's blood um, that's kind of been passed through people throughout the generations. Yeah, and you have to replenish it with more blood as you run out. You have to replenish it with, because um, what is it like? Just it's like the thing where it's just even when the slightest speck of Jesus's blood, um, basically mm. the power goes into the rest of the blood. That's what I love about this is that I love about I love horror movies that set up mythology and rules. It's the classic werewolf, yeah. vampire, and this one has rules with the blood, and you know, and how you can hand it over, why it can, you know, you can just put it around a doorway and seal it. Keep demons from coming through. Um, the 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 rules about shooting demons through the eyes. I just love stuff like that. Yeah, that kind of stuff is always interests me. I, I love getting like really deep into lore, and this movie definitely has enough of that, and it paces it out uh, through the movie, so you're never really bored. There's always something new to be to to learn or new twists coming up, so it definitely paces itself. Yeah. And it's basically a siege movie. It's very that's the thing where they save most of the money is if you have it basically set in one location, you can save money on that and use more on special effects. And I thought it was fun. Like it's kind of like Assault on Precinct 13 or I was literally just gonna say it's the demonic assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the zombie movie rule. Just have its location where you're trying to stay safe, and your area of safety is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Right, and then so, but there is a way that you can transfer the blood. The person that has the key, who's been given the blood of Christ, basically inherits um, the spirit of Christ. So that way, when they're dying, or they can sacrifice themselves and put their blood into the vial for the next person. Right. And that's how this is transferred through. Um, I'm trying to remember what is the thing on his palm where it shows up like five. It makes for some reason cat sounds. It has like little stars on his hands, and he transfers that yeah, over so, to her. Yeah, so the, the five stars basically is for the carrier of the key. I guess that's like your protection for it. And yet that has to be transferred. Right. Oh, wait, was it a warning system when demons were near? I can't remember. Just Ooh, watch this game. Sure, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll also have to watch it again. I don't mind because it's awesome. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I don't feel the same way about the second one at all. New, 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 new. The thing about the second one is that I saw... The name Dennis Miller in yep. the credits, Ugh. and the whole time I was waiting for him to ruin the movie, and about 12 and a half minutes in, it, it started. Yep. Because I, I kind of like the first 12 and a half minutes. As soon as I saw his face and his line delivery, I was like, yep, this is exactly what I expected. 
there's okay. This is before he turned to an ultra conservative fucking douchebag. This is back when he was the hip, cool guy on Saturday Night Live. You know, he just come off of that, and he had a string of movies that were somewhat successful. And this was his first, and I think only starring role. And you knew from the second he showed up, he didn't give a fuck about this movie. He was there to collect a paycheck. He had no respect for. It. He even went on interviews and said, "It's just a Tales and a Crypt movie. Who gives a shit?" Yeah, I mean, like clearly when he was on the set, he was always looking off camera because I'm sure they were dangling a check right, right off camera. Oh yeah, and let's not also. I feel like here's the thing: is you look at the cast of Demon Knight, and they're all, for the most part, legitimately good actors. You look at Bordello yeah. of Blood, and you gotta go, oh. This is a, these are the choices you went with? Angie Everhart, a person who's never acted before in their life? Really? Yeah, I don't know. See, that's the thing that I've been saying about the $6 million. Like, for $6 million in Demon Knight, you have some somewhat high-profile actors, and at least decent actors, and good special effects, and an all-around great script. And then you take the same amount of money and put it to this, and there's just no excuse. Well, I think a lot of it is the locations, because it's more than one location. They had to travel around a little bit. And the fact that they use more digital effects in this one instead of practical effects. Um, I mean, there are a few names. I mean, Dennis Miller was hot at the time. Erica Laniac, who was, um, I think, a former Playboy model. She had just come off of Under Siege, so she probably got a decent paycheck. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm guessing Corey Feldman desperately needed the job and was grateful to get it, so he didn't demand much of anything. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah. He's not bad. Here's who's, the weirdest part. He was the guy. He was the brother, you know? And here's yeah. the funniest part is he's the one. <laughs> he's the one who seems to be actually doing a good job when people mock him mercilessly in real life. Yeah. He, he was the only one who seemed like he gave a shit. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I was thinking about this. Is It's a vampire movie, and he was in Lost Boys, and the preacher, Chris Sarandon, was also famous for being the bad guy in Fright Night. I wonder if that was something on the casting agent's mind. It's like, oh, you guys know vampire movies. This will work. <laughs> yeah, so this was a terrible movie. Um, let's, should we get into the plot, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's all about whores. Just whorehouses and sleazy people. And <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an excuse to see boobs. That's oh my god, there's, I almost, I'm not, I'm not even prudent in any way whatsoever, I like boobs, I'm not gonna argue this, but I kept going, god, there's a lot of boobs, like, this is excessive amount of boobs. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm watching uh, this show, Too Old to Die Young, by Nicholas Winding Refn, and there's a lot of boobs in that, in that show, in that ten-part series, but it's a good series, <laughs> it has reason to, to exist, this is just, like, flat-out fan service, yeah. for comic book nerds, I guess, I don't know. No, you know what? Hold on. Let's look at this and Dust Till Dawn. Came out the same year, both similar themes. Okay. There's nudity in Dust Till Dawn, but at no point does that movie... I think it, I think, um, it knows its fans, and it loves its fans. Mm -hmm. I think Bordello yeah. Blood knows the fans and has contempt for the fans. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, even looking at it from Dust Till Dawn, it takes place... It, it, the, like, the ha last half of the movie takes place in a... Uh, strip club essentially that's called the titty twister and there's very little nudity actually happening it's just more about the characters and there is nudity but it's like very purposeful when it doesn't yeah the only i'm going to say the only part that i do enjoy about bordello of blood is the whole preacher subplot where he was using i can't remember her name angie everhart the vampire girl um mm -hmm. basically using her to wipe out sinners 
to help his community, to clean up his community, and then he realizes what he's done and that he went too far, and then he seeks redemption by helping Dennis Miller to wipe out the vampires. Um, that's yeah, the only interesting I, part his, of me. Yeah, his character arc was by far the most interesting, because I, like, when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, he's definitely the villain. Like, you just the opening scene with him, first time I saw him, I was like, that's the villain. Yeah. And then, like, for him to actually have an arc was interesting. I, um... I was going to go to the Comic-Con two weeks ago where he was at, and I was going to go get his autograph, but there was this big thing going on where you couldn't get his autograph by himself. You had to get it with all the Princess Bride cast because he was also in that, and they're all behind curtains, and it cost $150, and I said, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, there's no point. But I'm sure he doesn't want people asking about Bordello of Blood anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It might be nice, you know, to be recognized for even something bad you've done. It's That's like if true. You, yeah, like if you if you make a, a, a bad meal for a friend or something, and they still appreciate it, you know, you, like, it's nice. It's the effort accounts, but I'm sure because now, do you recognize him from other movies? Uh, I did not actually. He is, like I said, the main villain in Fright Night, but he is also the hero cop in Child's Play. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That's. Uh, Sarandon? Yep. Or that wasn't. That's Chris Sarandon. Yeah, but you know we're seeing him like ten years later with a beard and and you know a lot more gray, so he looks different. Wow, I could not tell because Fright Night is one of my favorites, uh, so it's weird that I could not tell. Yeah, he's also the voice of Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, really? Yep, real oh, versatile. It doesn't I get did. a lot of credit for it though. I did not know that. That's yeah. weird. So that might be That's the only legit. That's character. <laughs> like the only legitimate respected actor in this whole movie. Well, apparently, but I couldn't even tell it was him, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I say no to Bordello Blood for sure. So what, what was the plot of this movie again? I don't, it, it doesn't was... matter. No, okay, I'll tell you. Fine. Fuck. Okay, um, yeah, basically, um, basically, this whole thing where they're getting all these punk kids in town to go to this whorehouse, and they sacrifice them to the queen. I want to say it's Lilith? I might be wrong about this. Um and so the sister of Corey Feldman hires a low-rent detective to find out what happened to her brother. And the first, I don't know, 20 minutes seems to be more of a detective story. And then it just turns into just, like, ridiculous. He is terrible at reacting, by the way. Dennis Miller is a fucking awful oh actor. I didn't believe anything that he did. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. That's that's why I didn't want to explain the movie because if I started talking about the movie, I would just go on this huge rant about how terrible Dennis Miller is. Yeah, and so, I'm sorry if you if you like him, that's totally cool. If you think he's funny, you like his very fast paced line delivery. There's plenty of that in this movie. The problem is that he does not give a fuck when he how he delivers dialogue or about acting in general. Right, he puts more care in that mullet than he does into his performance. Absolutely. Uh, so the rest of the plot basically is he figures out what's going on. He faces off against ghouls and demons, and uh, there's a lot of heads being ripped off and stomachs being ripped out. Lots of hearts being eaten. Good God. <laughs> Why call it Bordello of Blood? Just call it Heart Eater, Heart Chomper, yeah. Pulse Pounder, something. Bordello of Blood just kind of rolls off the tongue. And yeah, it, like, I guess. To be honest, Alliteration. When I, was reading, when I was reading the list of movies, that's the one I wanted to watch first, just because of the name. But. Oh. That, and, that was my bad. And then it turns this big showdown with super soakers filled with holy water, blasting to uh, ballroom blitz. That that part was and fine, then, but 
The problem is, is I'd already seen... Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, I'd already seen Dust Till Dawn, so it didn't seem fresh in any way whatsoever. Then there's this whole thing at the end. It was so, so convoluted and ridiculous about chopping our heart into four pieces. I'm like, wouldn't two pieces be fine? Just chop it in half, two pieces. Why doesn't he be four? And that, that whole laser ramming thing was just stupid. To be Okay, I'm going to be super honest with you right now. Uh, once they pulled out the super soakers at the end, I turned it off and I did not. <sighs> so. yeah, you're fine. <laughs> no, there was this whole bullshit thing about they couldn't just kill her. They couldn't impale her. They couldn't soak her in holy water. They couldn't expose her to sunlight. They had to chop her heart into four pieces. It was the only way to kill her. And I was like, that's dumb. That's just dumb. I like how you had to say that out loud for as if, like, that's what makes it's like, okay, I have to acknowledge that this is dumb and just say, yes, this is dumb. And at the end, Dennis Miller gets his cup of it because the beautiful blonde somehow, somewhere in the movie got bit and got turned into a vampire. So I guess they're not playing by the Lost Boys rule where if you kill the, mer- the person who made you a vampire, you are cured. Uh, so she stayed a vampire, and she basically chomped down on Dennis Miller, and that was it. Cool. All right. Well, I'm glad he died. <laughs> and, then, uh, tell, and then the Crypt Keeper comes and goes, Hello, kitties! <laughs> did he even do an intro to the movie? I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, here's the funny part. I did enjoy this. So the hero of uh, Demon Knight, played by William Sadler, um, shows up at the very beginning of Bordello of Blood as a mummy, and he tells the Crypt Keeper, they're like in some weird little bar, and he says, this town isn't big enough for the two of us. And they play, That's right. Yeah, and they start that. chopping off bits of pieces, so. <laughs> yeah, which is basically a, a reference to that uh, episode I was just referring oh, to. Oh, yeah, earlier. you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What? That's it. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like the little reference. I totally forgot about that until you uh, mentioned it. But, yeah, essentially... Uh, it's kind of like they were, they were playing cards, right? Is that what it was? I can't I can't remember now. As far as I know, it could have just been rolling dice or something like that. But um, do you, and William Sadler is one of those character actors that pops up all the time. My favorite performance of him is Death in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He just fucking kills me in that. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, I see him all the time. I do not remember the name. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that he played Death. That's awesome. Yeah, best five out of seven. <laughs> Uh, I, I work out all the time. My butt looks great. <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's probably going to be in the, the next film. He though. is, yeah. I, I follow him on Twitter, so yeah, he's coming back as death. Sweet. <sighs> okay, I guess there's nothing really more to say about this. I don't know if Tales from the Crypt is ever going to be uh, fixed. Like, I, I They tried doing a... I think it was on TNT they were trying to do a reboot of it and it didn't get picked up. Maybe, but I mean, like, the uh, the Twilight Zone got kind of a revival. I mean, I've heard a lot of mixed things about it, but, yeah. I mean, if, if that starts to do well, I, I could totally see Tales from the Crypt coming back. Was I think it was M. Night Shyamalan was in uh, charge of producing it, and uh, it didn't go. I'm going to guess it's because he had a career revival and walked away. <laughs> yeah, that might have been, like, right around the time Split happened. Yeah. So it's like, okay, peace out. <laughs> Well, that is our Halloween special. Is there anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, I don't know. Fuck Dennis Miller? Yeah, fuck Dennis Miller. That's that's the way we had to say it. <laughs> and uh, stay trashy no, no, kids. Yeah, that's he's, he's not as a person. He's fine. It's just that he, he, he really messed up that. No, I mean, fuck him. Have you read some of his posts? They're insane. He's a huge Trumpy. Fuck him. Oh, 
hell is he? I no, don't yeah. I, I, I just... <laughs> no, seriously. Okay, so uh, like I said again, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, he was the coolest dude on the planet. Everybody loved him on SNL. And he had a talk show that was like a fan favorite, but it just didn't get the ratings. And he did a bunch of movies. And then after 9-11, he had this knee-jerk reaction. And I don't particularly blame him uh, immediately afterwards. But, you know, enough years have gone by where you realize that maybe you shouldn't be so altered, knee-jerk, you know, racist, uh, uh, ultra-conservative nutbag. And somehow he stopped being funny because, as we know, most conservatives don't have a sense of humor. And he just presses these crazy conspiracy theories. He's a huge Trump supporter, so fuck him. Oh, okay. Well, then fuck him. Yeah. The only thing that I, like, know about him is that his, like, his current sort of, like, stand because he's he's trying to make a comeback uh, i've noticed recently i've heard some of his material and it's just garbage yeah um but i haven't re- i haven't really heard a lot of his like super right-wingy uh politics jokes and i've just heard him trying to make like like i just hear him doing like reference humor but his references are from like the 90s still yeah yeah that's not good <laughs> <laughs> i remember he bitched about al gore he says why would i vote for anybody who says tron is their favorite movie and i was like you were in Bordello of Blood. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're in Joe Dirt. <laughs> I mean, Tron's not even a bad movie, so let's not go there. Yeah, it's more about seeing the future. And we all know that Al Gore is a huge nerd and he loves computer shit, you know. And, and this is just something that he saw as visionary, and I agree with him. Yeah, Al Gore likes D&D. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. That's awesome. the, the one thing that Dennis Miller did do right, which is still a joke said today, is he said HBO stood for, hey, Beastmaster's on. <laughs> Hey, what? Beastmaster. Beastmaster was on HBO nonstop during the 80s. Was it really? Oh, God. It was all the time. <laughs> then it moved over to TBS, where it just aired nonstop. I have seen Beastmaster like 92 times on television alone. Oh, that's so weird. Yep. It was a big... I, I like it. It's, I know it's campy, though. It's I, I get I get a grip on reality. I know it's cheesy. All right. All right. All right I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this we've okay. We've probably spent too much time on Dennis Miller. Yep, let's just end time. this thing before we keep going. Yep. Go um, okay, so that was our Halloween episode. We'll see you in November. We'll uh, we'll do something outside of Halloween. I, I think I got some good action sci-fi stuff to talk about. Sweet. Cool. Uh, check you later, Holmes. That's all fine. right. See you guys later. That's when you sign off because I'm hip and cool. <laughs>